Welcome to the Wellspring Community Church Podcast, where we exist to help real people find real hope in a real world. We hope today's message encourages you. Let's get into today's episode. So week number one, we looked at the idea that every relationship starts with an attraction, physical, spiritual, and mental attraction. And then they began their dating life. We've been journeying through Song of Solomon. They began their dating life and they dated for a little while. And then they had their honeymoon night. Uh, Great detail, two chapters of their honeymoon night. I mean, body part detailed. Why do drugs when you could do the Bible? Come on, church. I mean, it's just, I mean, it makes you blush. But I mean, he describes and she describes every body part in those two chapters. And then last week they had this big fight. What do you do when you have trouble in paradise? How do, we, how do we get through the fights without the fights defining us? And today I wanna end by, how do we make this thing last forever? How do we make this lifelong relationship last forever? If you are brand new, we've been, again, we've been in Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon was written by Solomon. He wrote three books of the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. He wrote, Bible says in 1 Kings, he wrote 1,005 songs. And of all of his best songs, Song of Solomon was his best. It's an allegory, it's spicy, it's incredible, it's beautiful. And it was written 3,000 years ago. Uh, 900 years before Jesus walked the planet, and it is still relevant today. And so we've started every week with this, which I believe is the thesis for the entire book. Are you ready today? I think we started with this every week, and it goes something like this. She's talking, and she says, kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How fragrant your cologne, your name, your reputation. When you walk into the room, the room changes. I mean, everybody sees you and you're beautiful and you're amazing. And it's not just your physical look, but your spirit and your emotion. Like the atmosphere changes when you walk in. It's like a spreading fragrance. No wonder everybody wants to be with you, but they can't have you because you are, you're all mine. And this is the goal of every relationship, that your relationship would be lasting and long lasting and that you would realize that he's the redeemer, he's in the redeeming business. And, and what I wanna do today is, is to end and cap off the series to remind you that engaging into a lifelong relationship, it's a journey. It's a journey of transformation. So we're gonna look at the last two chapters, very little of chapter seven, mostly chapter eight, and we're gonna see how this book ends. We're gonna see how it ends. So he's talking now in Solomon chapter seven, Song of Solomon seven, he's talking, and here's what he says. Let's read it. He says, how beautiful your sandaled feet. How many know homeboy's a liar right there? Because there is nothing beautiful about sandaled feet. What is he saying? What he's saying is what used to bother me doesn't bother me anymore. What used to be little quirks that you had aren't quirks anymore. I'll be honest with you, let me share one with you. April gave me permission to share this. Uh, But we've been married for 23 years. We have three kids. Our kids are getting older. and Some kind of relationships are unique. Family dinners are just different now because we have a 20 year old and 13 year olds. And for 23 years, April would hear something or see something on the TV or something and she'd laugh. And I would, I would look at her and like, babe, that just is not funny. Like, it's just, it's just not funny. Like, I don't know what you're laughing at. And so after about year five, I realized just don't say anything, just laugh with her. But now that our kids are getting older, we have found this hilarious. April will be in the kitchen or whatever and she'll, something will come to her head she thinks is a joke. And she'll say the joke, and before the joke even comes out of her mouth, she is hysterically laughing at her own joke, and she's crying. 
And then we start laughing, but it wasn't up until about a year ago we had to confess to her that we're not laughing at the joke she's telling, we're laughing at her laughing at her own joke. And what used to be just an annoyance that I would have about her is actually the cork that I just think is the most beautiful, sexy thing about her is that she gets so giddy. She'll start snorting when she's laughing and she's laughing at her own joke. And I just love it, it's so beautiful. And so what is he saying to her? He's saying to her, what used to bother me don't bother. Your sandaled feet, your cracked feet, they don't bother me anymore. Or, or the prince's daughter, oh, the prince's daughter, your graceful legs, what in the world does that mean? What he's saying to her is the places that nobody else gets to see, I find so valuable. They're like jewels, the work of an artist hands, the stuff that nobody gets to see, the things that used to bother me, they just don't bother me. Now they're, they're gonna go on a vacation. By the way, do you know the difference between a vacation and a trip? I'll help you with this. Ready, moms and dads? A trip is with the kids. A vacation is without the kids. Come on, somebody. Come on, you didn't get nothing all month in this series, but you got that. I pump, I'll put that in my pocket right there. So they're not going on a trip. They're gonna go on a vacation together. Here's what it says. Again, Solomon chapter seven. We're now in verse 11. It says, she says, come away with me. Come to the countryside. We're gonna go on a trip together and it's gonna be beautiful and we're gonna leave work and the kids and we're gonna go away and we're gonna be together. As most of you know, Valentine's Day was on Wednesday and I'm not a huge Valentine's Day person. I think it's a lot of man-made stuff, but that's a whole nother conversation. But nonetheless, you're kind of required. Come on, somebody to do something on Valentine's Day. But my, my daughter's getting older. She's got like this babysitting business. I mean, it, she's got so much clientele now. It's absolutely incredible. So we gave her the idea. We think you should do something on Valentine's Day because like moms and dads need a time out and you could you will, bring them over to our house. And so we couldn't, what I'm saying to you is April, I couldn't do anything for Valentine's Day. So we're like the backup there when she's got all these kids there to make sure if anything adult wise happens, we're, we're there. And so I had to make it up to her. So on Friday morning, two days ago, uh, I made it up to her. And so we did what I think, maybe, maybe you don't do this after 23 years of marriage, but after 23 years, 23 years of marriage, we did the most godly thing we knew how to do. And we both went and got tattoos together. That's what we did. And so this is my tattoo. And uh, that's, it's a half lion and a half lamb. Uh, the lion represents resurrected Christ and the lamb re re represents the crucified Christ. And so I got that on my shoulder. As you know, by the way, my hair is disgusting. Don't look too closely. Uh, and then she, we just went to Africa. And so she got Africa on her wrist and where the heart is, is where Kenya is. And so Kenya goes with her wherever she goes now. And so that was Friday morning. And because, come on dads, you know this is I don't just have one Valentine's, I got two Valentine's. So I had to do something for my daughter. And so that night I took her to the best, come on, I took her to Ruth Chris Steakhouse and her and I went on a date and we had a special time together. What am I saying to you? This was different. This was special. Layla don't get Ruth Chris Steakhouse every single day, but this is special. So this couple, they're going away. They're going to the countryside. It's something special. She says, come away with me, my beloved. Come, a, come away with me, my beloved. Let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened. What, by the way, just all of you, what season of the year do you think it is right now? Where, when do blossoms open and, and when do vineyards? What, what, what time is it? Is it? It's spring, right? Spring. Now, what I want you to know now is it's a springtime for them. 
But they're in their winter season of their life. This is 50 years later. They're old and wrinkly and stuff's starting to sag and not work like it used to work. Come on, somebody. They're old and wrinkly, they're saggy. And they're in a winter season of their life, but they're still making moments for springtime. Listen to me, married people. No matter how old you are, no matter how old and wrinkly and life doesn't work the same way, God is still commanded to us to still make springtime moments even though we're in the winter season of our life. I'm trying to preach to somebody today. There, what does she say? There, my body is yours. There, I will give you all of my love. But how many know, come on, come on, winter season people. How many know for relationships to work, it takes work? Come on, somebody, can I get a better amen? I just wanna say it to you one more time. It takes work. But how many know there's two things mentioned, never mentioned in this, in this book? Two things never mentioned. They're the greatest things that people argue about. Job and kids. But nowhere in the Bible, in this book, does it mention kids and their job. When I'm counseling women, and women are in our office and they're having marriage issues, you know what they often say to me? He just gives all of his time to work. Work gets all of his best time. Now, if I gave you men a platform to rebuttal that, you would say, but I do it for her. I do it for them. My intentions are pure. But nonetheless, it's still true that what happens is these kids and this job and this life, it keeps us from going to the countryside and working on our marriage. So the friends speak up. There's been this course of friends throughout the eight chapters. These friends speak up, and here's what the friends say. Oh, who is this? This couple in their winter season, old and wrinkly, but still in love with one another. And they're coming up from the wilderness. They're leaning on their beloved. Under the apple tree, I see them. I aroused you there is where your mother conceived you. What is she saying there? She is reminding him from the moment he was conceived in her mother's womb, in his mother's womb, he knew from that day forward, she knew that from that day forward, they knew from that day forward that they were meant to be together. Even in their 80s, they're looking at each other and going, I remember, I remember, I remember your mom saying, and look, we've made it. Look at our life. We're in the winter season, but we're making springtime moments to sit underneath the apple tree. I'm reminded that you were created for me and I was created for you. There, she who was in labor, she gave birth. Place me, interesting word here, place me like a seal. In the olden days, they would have a ring and the ring would have mud on it or some sort of, uh, some sort of modeling material and they would put the ring in, a, in an envelope or a seal and, and the signet ring would, would seal this, this moment. Very, very similar in our day is like a credit card. As I swipe the card, it's a modern day of saying, the transaction's done, you're mine and I'm yours. It has been sealed over your hearts like a seal over your arm for your love is as strong as death. What does that mean? Well, that's where we get. The, 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 the phrase that happens in every wedding, we say at every wedding, till death do us part. It's found in Song of Solomon. And it says this, it burns, this love, it burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. What does that mean? Again, apologize to you, it's a little bit crude, but here's what it means. Here's what she's saying to him. To him. She is saying this to him. May I be cursed to hell if I do anything to negate the fact that we are together. 
may I burn in hell if I do anything to mess up this relationship. She feels the weightiness of it. She says that burn, that fire represents hell and that flame represents the burning flame that hell will always be. She says there is a seal. Your mother conceived you and when she conceived you, she conceived you in such a way that we would be together forever and forever. If you've ever been to a Jewish wedding, they don't do this anymore, by the way, thank God. But in old times, they would do a wedding, Jewish weddings, and right before the ceremony, they would take an animal, a spotless, blameless animal, and they would kill it, and they would cut up all the body parts, and all the body parts would be right in the middle of the ceremony. And at some point during the ceremony, the bride and the groom would walk through all of the body parts, and they would say something like this, may that happen to us if we do anything to mess up this relationship. It's a seal. Now, thank God they don't do it anymore. Come on, somebody. But what, what it pictured, what it, what it showed was we are in this for the long haul. Let me give you four things about a lasting love. Come on, if you're in your 20s, if you're in your 30s, if you're in your 60s, if you're in this room and you wanna get married, if you're contemplating divorce, if you're thinking the, the grass is greener on the other side, there are some markers for lasting love. And let me give them to you four, and they all start with P because I'm a preacher. Come on, somebody. Number one is lasting love is is permanent. Now, if you're in this room and you've been divorced, what we say day one of this series, it was the number one ground rule. Do not look in the rearview mirror. Do not look in the past. You are, you are not defined by what you did, you're defined by what you do. Listen, don't look in the rearview mirror. Your best is ahead of you. Just because it didn't work out the first time doesn't mean it will not work out this. The past is in the past. Your current is the best, your next is the best, and what you need to say today is simply this. From this day forward, I throw all options off the table. You are mine and I am yours. And she's talking now, we're now in chapter eight. She's talking and here's what she says. She says, oh, our love. Our love, it's like many waters and it, and it cannot be quenched. What she says is there are people, there are in-laws, there are kids, there are jobs, there are circumstances, there are family members that have tried to put out the flame of our love with water, but no one was able to do it. And look at us in our 80s and look how we've come and look what we've conquered, look what we've done. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all of the wealth of his household for love, it would be utterly scorned. Now that's really hard. I've done the work. Let me help you. What that means is this. It would be like somebody coming up to me and saying, oh, April, she's beautiful and she's amazing and she's awesome. And I wonder what it would be like to be with April. Can I buy her from you? I'll give you a dollar. Can I have her? And be like, you're a friggin' moron. You ain't getting my wife. No way. Not a chance in the world you're getting my wife. $10,000. No. She's not, there's no money. One million dollars. No, you're not getting her. How about one billion dollars? Well, give me till the end of the day. I'll just have to check real quick. I figured you needed a little laugh right there. You needed a little laugh. No, but that's what it means. That there is no money. There is an amount of wealth. There is nothing that the world could throw at us, positive or negative, that would squelch all of what it, God has done. And listen to me, there's gonna be storms. How many of you married people know there are storms in life? Come on, married people. How many know there's storms in life? So from this day forward, listen to me. You want your love to last forever? Make a decision today that lasting love is permanent. Here's the second way, second thing if you're taking notes, is lasting love is persevering. Lasting love is persevering. Hey, when, when, when times get tough, 
These times don't drive us apart, they bring us closer together. Oftentimes in relationships, when we're fighting, when we're arguing, we separate. But when you have a persevering faith, it brings you closer together. Listen, you don't need commitment in your relationship until you're not happy in it. Commitment means nothing. Let me say this, your vows mean nothing until you're in a moment where you're unhappy about the vow you made. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. Oh, that do us part, and richer, poor, and yeah, goodness and greatness, and yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Let's go to the cocktail hour. But then you're year one and you're year two, and the in-laws and the house and the job and the this, and that's when your vows really matter. That's when really we'll know if, the, if, 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 if you really committed to that other person. It's persevering. Love is persevering. Love is in this for the long haul. Listen, love stays in even when you're not happy. Love says my commitment to you is not defined by my happiness, it's defined by the holiness that God's trying to make me. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I love the last two passages. These are so incredible. I love, I love the book of Solomon. Why do drugs when you could do the Bible? Like, just love Song of Solomon. So chapter eight, we're in chapter eight. Listen to this. So we not, finally are gonna find out who the chorus of friends are. You've been waiting for five weeks. Who's the chorus of friends? Who are they? Well, they're gonna speak up. Here they are. They say, we have a little sister and her breast are not yet grown. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid or weird, but what does that mean if a 10-year-old little girl doesn't have boobs? What does that mean? She's not, she's not in her puberty. She's young, she's immature, she's not developed. And what, what, do the, what does this person say? They're saying, our little sister's not reached puberty. Who's talking here? Do you know? It's the girl's brothers. It's Solomon's wife's brothers are talking right now. The chorus of friends are Solomon's, are, are, are the girl's brothers. They say this, listen to me, young person, 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, listen to me, man, get this. What, what do we do? Our little sister, she, her boobs haven't developed. She's, her breasts haven't developed. She's, she's not gone through puberty. What, what shall we do for our little sister? On the day that she wants to get married, what do we do? Do we, do we let it? Do we not let it? What do we do? We don't, what do we do? What do we do? And here's what the Bible says. If she is a wall, What's that mean? If she has standards, if she has morals, if she lives like this, are you hearing me? If she says no, if she goes into a relationship saying these are my boundaries, the brothers say if she is a wall, then we will build towers of silver. Why silver? Silver represented weddings. Every Jewish wedding, you would see silver. Silver is represented. They said, if she's a wall, my goodness, we'll roll out the silver and we'll plan the wedding and we'll pay for it. By the way, you go, why are the brothers talking here, not the dad? At probably at some point, the dad died prematurely. So the brothers had taken over responsibility. It's the only thing we could think of. So we will build towers of silver if she's a wall. But if she's a door, if she's got a new guy every Saturday, and she's, she's intimate with every man she's dating, and she's test driving every car that she wants to purchase, if her legs are open all the time, listen, if she's a door, we're gonna enclose her with panels of cedar, the strongest material they could find in that day. 
Listen, let me just say this to a young person. At some point in your life, you're gonna have to determine will you be a wall or will you be a door? Here's what the Bible tells us. There are blessings when you're a wall. But when you become a door, you don't need, you don't need rules and regulations until you disobey the rules and regulations. Growing up, this is, not, this is the true statement. I never had a curfew growing up and April never had a curfew growing up. And I'm not recommending that. We just never did. Never did. Never ever one time did either one of our parents say, be home at a certain time. Never. And I'll tell you why. Because we were always home at a decent time. We were always home, sitting on her couch or my couch, and we were always there. We were always there. So my parents never had to tell me, you gotta be home at a certain time. You only need rules and regulations when you become a door and not a wall. It's persevering. Every young person is not safe unless they make a commitment to get some friends and some people around them that help them become a wall and not a door. I'm preaching to somebody in church today. Number three is this, that life, that lasting love is also protective. It's protective. I've got this little app. Many of you probably have it on your phone. I got this little app on my phone. It's called Life 360. There is probably not two hours that go by in my life that I don't look at Life 360. Not, not two hours. I want to know where Liam is. I want to know where Dakota is. I want to know where Le- My son right now is spending the night at his cousin's house. This morning I got up and I just said, I want to see where he's at right now. When's he leaving for church? You go, that sounds restrictive. No, it's proactive. It's proactive because I'm responsible for them. And so if April says I'm gonna be home at 8.30 and it's 8.31, can I tell you what I'm doing? I'm going to Life 360. And I wanna find out if that little circle thing's moving towards 579 Spotted Slipper Place. Because if it's not, she won't get a phone call. Not because I I'm, don't trust her, it's because I wanna protect her. I wanna protect her. Like your relationship, if you want to have a lasting, long-lasting relationship, it's to protect them. I want to know where all my people are at all the time. And the brothers wanted to know, what is she doing? Is she a wall or is she a door? What is she doing? They weren't being restrictive. They were being proactive. They were being protective. And so she responds, and she gives the answer. She tells us the answer. She says, oh, I've not been a door. I've actually been a wall. I've done exactly what I'm supposed to do. I am far out of reach. And now that my breasts are towers, now that they've developed, now that I have breasts, thus I've become in the eyes of my Solomon. So she's looking back on life. Now that I've become one with Solomon, because I was a wall and not a door, are you hearing me, church? Because I was a wall and because I made a commitment to not be a door, I brought my husband contentment. Now that's a horrible, terrible English translation of that Greek word, I mean that Hebrew word. This Hebrew word for contentment is actually better translated peace. So because I was a wall and I made a commitment to not be a door, I actually brought my future husband, Solomon, peace. April tells me, you may have heard her say it last week. April told me this about six months ago. She said, can I tell you what I need in life? We're 42 and 41. She goes, I don't need more money. I, I don't need more retirement. I don't need the church to grow. I don't, I don't, can I tell you what I need? As my husband, can I tell you what I need? I said, baby, I wanna know what you need. She goes, I just need peace. I just need peace. I need stillness and quietness and calmness 
and no loudness. I just need peace. Solomon received peace simply because the brothers, are you hearing me? Kept her accountable to be a wall and not a door. It's protective. Lasting love is protective. And then fourth and finally is that he, she brought him commitment, a contentment, which is peace. Lasting love, it, it's permanent. Lasting love is persevering. Lasting love, finally, is peaceful. It's peaceful. So are you telling me I won't have any problems if I stay married to this person? <laughs> nah, you're gonna get problems. What I'm telling you is this, Jesus will be with you in your problems every step of the way. Listen to how it ends. Oh, this is so good. Listen, Hercules, Hercules, listen to how this ends. Man, this is so great. Here's how it ends. Here's how she knows she had peace. Verse 14, chapter eight. We've only got a few more verses and the, the, the series ends. Solomon, I want you to listen. This is huge. Solomon had a vineyard. And the vineyard, we haven't talked about this, was in Baal Haman. The vineyard was in the maiden's hometown. And Solomon had a vineyard and Solomon would rent out part of his vineyard to tenants. Guess who Solomon rented out his vineyard to? The maiden's brothers. She's remembering in her 80s, as she's in the winter season of her life, she's remembering all the way back 50 and 60 years earlier when she made a commitment. And by the way, if you remember week number one, what did we learn? She hated herself in chapter one. She thought she was ugly, and she hated working in the vineyard. She had crackly feet, and she had dark skin, and she just felt like she was gross. But now, in her 80s, she's looking back, and she's reminded that she worked in Solomon's vineyard, and she, her brothers had rented it. And now she's going to bless. She's going to honor what she had cursed for so many years. Now she sees it a blessing, and she's going to doubly bless them. Listen to it. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard, what is she talking about there? Her body. Remember I said week number one, every time you see the word vineyard, it means body. She says, I neglected my own body. I let it go. And now it was mine to give. And I gave it to Solomon. The thousand shekels are for you, Solomon. Solomon and the 200 shekels, I mean for the brothers, and Solomon and the 200 shekels are for those who tended its fruit. Who tended its fruit? The brothers. Listen to me, listen to me. At some point, you're gonna look back on your season. Listen to me, young people. You're gonna look back and you're gonna stand on your wedding day and you are angry because your mom and dad said you can't do that and you can't stay out late and you gotta go to school and you, you gotta be a wall and not a door and blah, 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 all of this stuff. And you got so mad and you buck, bucked your back and you said, oh, no, no, no. And there's gonna be a come a point in, in your married life, in your adult life, that you're gonna find your mom and dad and you're gonna tell them, you're right, I'm sorry. You were right this entire time. And I'm sorry for not trusting you. And thank you for staying faithful 
to make me committed to what you've always wanted me to be. And if you're in this room and you're 15, 14, 16, 17, 18, 20, 25, that's weird, but maybe. The only reason why it's weird at 25 because you should have figured it out a little bit earlier and that's what I'm trying to say. Not weird that you're single at 25, but just you should have figured some things out at 25. What I'm saying to you is this. At some point, you're gonna start to honor what you thought was a curse, but you actually realized it was a thing that set you up for success. Verse 14, 13 and 14. You who dwell in the garden with friends. So now they're back home. They're back from their trip, their vacation. Let's modernize it. He's at the office and he's in a meeting and there's everybody around the board table and he's got his phone out. Everybody thinks he's taking notes, but he's not taking notes. Guess what he's doing? He's texting his, he's texting his wife. He's saying, miss you. Miss you. He's thinking about you. I miss you thinking about you. She gets the text, and what does she say? Come home. Come home. If you miss me so much, come home. In fact, there could have been other things shared as well. But here's what we do know. She starts to describe her body to him, even at 80, sagging and wrinkling. She's, he still attracted her body. And guess what he does? He runs home like a gazelle and like a stag. Because why? She describes her body differently. By, by the way, chapter one, they were like mountains of Gilead. But now they're spice-laden mountains. I'm not sure the difference. But how do we know her body changed? And what I love about this book is the Bible ends the same way it began. Two people who pushed through difficult seasons to stay. We say we are going to change the trajectory of our last name. We're changing it. So five weeks, if I could sum up in two last things, if I could sum up the entire book to leave you with this and I wanna pray over your relationships or future relationships. If I could end it and summarize this, it probably the footnotes in, in my commentary I wrote on Song of Solomon. It would be these two things. Reminding you that love is a choice we make every single day. Can I tell you what love looks like? Love looks like patience. Love looks like going and getting soup when your spouse is sick. Love looks like missing a meeting when you know your wife needs your help. Love looks like you trying to rush out the door, but knowing she's giving you the look like, I just would love to talk for a few minutes. I've missed you. Love sends the text saying, I'm gonna be late for the meeting. My wife needs me. Love chases your kid into the bathroom when they're And love gets the washcloth and puts the washcloth on the neck. And love gets whatever tools necessary, come on somebody, to clean up the throw up that never makes it in the toilet and always on the floor. Love, love is a choice that you make every day to put him or her first and you second. Colossians says this. It's not natural for you to love. In fact, it's only natural for God to love. In fact, Paul says to the church at Colossae, he says, you're gonna have to put it on every single day. You're gonna have to make a choice every single day to get in the closet of your life and put on love. 
And it is this love that will bind you together in unity. Listen to me, love is a choice. It's a choice that you make every day to say he or she is first and I am second. And secondly is this, and this is maybe the most important thing you'll hear all month, is being loved gives capacity for you to love other people. Many of you, if you've been at church long enough for the last few years, you know um, part of this story. I grew up in the church. My mom raised me right. I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night. I went to big church. Come on, Sunday school and big church. Come on, remember those big church and Sunday school days? And then, then Sunday night and Wednesday night, went to youth group. Grew up Southern Baptist, Ugh, but I grew up Southern Baptist. And so I did RAs and GAs. I was in church all of the time. But can I tell you, I'm 42 now, but I did not know until I was 40 years old. 40, I've been to seminary, got a master's degree. I've preached hundreds of sermons up until 40, but I did not know really what it meant to be loved by God until I was 40 years old. I didn't know. I could preach it, I could read it, I could quote it, I could convince you of it. But deep down inside of my soul, I did not know what it was to be genuinely and utterly loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I had no idea. And so I didn't know how to love. I'm a different pastor in 24 than I was in 20. I'm a different father in 24 than I am 20. I'm a different friend in 24. I'm a different leader. I don't say that to brag or to be braggadocious. I say that because I know how to love now because I realized that he first loved me. Like genuinely loved me. Not loved my preaching or my skills and my abilities, but he just loved me. I realized this is part of my life verse, 1 John 4. We can only love our spouse and other people simply because he first loved us. It's the only way. It's the only way. So love is attractive. Love has dating. Love has sex. Love has fighting. Lastly, love is lifelong. It lasts forever. So I'd love to pray for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're married, would you grab your spouse's hand? If you're not married, I wanna pray for you first. We'd love the honor to pray for you. Father, I pray for every single, single person in this room. God, whether they desire to get married one day or not, but they're single, I pray right now that you'd be with them. There'd be a closeness that you would have with them. That they would realize that you are the best husband that they could ever have. That there's a desire, and I pray, this is my prayer for all single people, that 2024 would be the year of revelation and transformation that you would become the right person so that you could find the right person. And at the end of this year, one of the goals that you have is to being the right person so at the end of this year, you can look at your life and go, my goodness, I found Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And it was because I did the hard work inside. I pray that over every single person, every single person. Now, if you're married in the room, grab your spouse and say, I wanna pray for your marriage. Father, I thank you for every spouse. And God, I don't know what they're going through. Some of them are contemplating divorce, had contemplated divorce. Some of them are in a rocky, rocky patch, unsure what the future holds. But Father, I thank you right now. They're still together. They're still together. 
And I believe their tomorrows are better than your, their yesterdays. And I believe that you've got a close eye on who they are. That they would fall back in love, that they would go to the countryside, that they would learn to celebrate the quirks that they have with the other person. Celebrate the differences. Now, maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus. You never trusted him. The Bible says today's the day where you can give him all of your life. Make him savior of your heart and Lord of your life. If you've never done that before, the Bible says today's today. So you pray something like this. Say, Jesus, would you come into my life and would you heal me? Would you redeem and restore? I thank you for the cross, your sacrifice. I thank you for the empty tomb. I choose heaven today. I receive you as Savior, and I make you Lord of my life. You prayed that prayer. I won't embarrass you or call you out. I just love to know who I prayed that with. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you just lift your hand up? Just say, I prayed that prayer. Real, real tall, put it right down. No, no, nobody's looking, just me and you. Anybody? Yeah, awesome, awesome, cool. Fantastic, praise the Lord. Man, anybody else? Gave my life to Jesus, I prayed that prayer. Awesome. Father, I thank you for the ones that are in this room that have trusted you as Lord and Savior, that have put their faith in you fully and I pray that you would walk with them and you would guide them I thank you that it is the greatest decision they'll ever make in their entire life we worship you we celebrate you church can we honor those that gave their life to Jesus today come on can we do that yeah hey would you stand we're going to go into a time of response we're going to open up the station our prayer team is going to be up here and maybe you need to grab your spouse and say to come forward and pray together Maybe it's a prayer of recommitment or rededication. Maybe you need to pray for your kids that they would find their spouse. Whatever it may be, don't leave. This isn't the time to walk out. This is the time to respond. Come on, this is the time to respond, not the time to walk out. This is the time to stand and push in and let God speak to you. So come on, let's sing and let's worship. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about Wellspring Community Church, visit our website at wellspringfl.com. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend services. We'll see you in the next episode.